We want to do some, we want to accomplish some things today. Are you guys with me? I know you guys are the choir in many regards, but also there are things, there's something to declaring in the heavenlies the word of the Lord. And uh, so you need to root me on and pray for me and help me, but I, I want to address an issue that uh, many are saying it just may be the uh, defining issue for our nation. It, Rick has said and others, it's a Bonhoeffer moment. And um, it is our Roe v. Wade of this generation, it really is. And so like Anivel said, remember he got up here and he said, I want to prophesy and then I want to preach. Well, I want to share some things from the Word and then we're going to uh, show this 28-minute video that I believe and leaders have said should be shown in every church in America. Will it be shown in every church in America? Probably not. There won't be a whole lot that'll take stand for truth, but I'm not gonna let this pass me by. And I was thinking this week about the book of Malachi and uh, the, one of the defining issues that separates the priesthood. I believe it's for this time. You remember the scripture says, for, you know, he who you seek will suddenly come to his temple. Remember that? But how will he come? As a refiner's fire and a fuller soap. And who can endure the day of its coming? How many of you know that? Okay, and then you skip to the end of that book. And it says, well, actually, he's going to purify the sons of Levi, the priesthood. Here's one of the ways he's going to do it in our day. I don't know who I am to say this. I'm going to say it. Forget who I am. I'm not up here because of who I am. I'm up here. I'm covered in the blood. And I just, I just happen to say yes. You've said yes, and you'll have to take stands too. But at the end of the book of Malachi, it says, Then you shall again discern between the righteous and the wicked and the one who serves God from the one who does not. Now you put all that together, what does that say? It says he's going to come to his priesthood. And one of the ways is will they stand for truth when it may cost you your life? Because we're living in that day, believe it or not, in America. We're right on the verge. Those who stand for truth may pay a great price. Jesus paid a great price. And so I would rather pay the price. And we need to uh, trumpet the truth. You know in Revelation, you know who the first ones are thrown into the lake of fire? The cowards. That's pretty incredible, isn't it? So we're to preach and disciple the nations, teach all things that he taught us. And we're in a great battle. This is not a battle of flesh and blood. If it becomes flesh and blood, we are sunk. We don't have those kind of weapons. But we have weapons that are mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds. One of them is the truth. You, you lift up the truth. When the enemy comes in like a flood, the Lord will raise a standard. The context is the truth. And, and the truth sets people free. We know that. And then the third thing today, we're going to appeal to heaven. I'm going to tell you about this flag I found out about from, uh, I heard about Dutch Sheets explaining it. And uh, now we're called to be salt and light, aren't we? So we got to do it. If we cease being salt, then we are good for nothing but to be trampled, thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. Who said that? Jesus. He's, 
hey, this Jesus is not just some little wimpy little guy, you know, that was stayed in a manger all his life. He came one time into the temple, started chunking out the money changers because they were an offense to him and to the, the kingdom and to the church. And so um, I'm not going to throw out any money changers. He already did it. But pray with me. Lord, we just thank you for this moment in time. Lord, if we could have tried to plan today, we would have. How could you plan today, Lord? I thank you. Thank you for putting this together. But Lord, now we ask for grace to proclaim the truth. And Lord, as we speak, I know that everyone in, in here agrees, but we want to proclaim into the heavens. And we ask you to sound an alarm over our nation. Lord, you do big things through little beginnings. And this is a little place in the foothills of North Carolina. But Lord, let a sound be heard. Let a trumpet sound. Lord, we're looking for a great awakening, a great move of the Holy Spirit. You promised I would pour out my spirit. You said you would do that on all flesh. And that was the word that we heard last Sunday. So Lord, we're not here just playing games. We're here because we believe you. And we thank you that you've called every one of us into the kingdom for such a time as this. And I prophesy these will not be among the cowards who will be cast into the lake of fire because they would not stand up and speak truth when many were longing, looking for answers. And we thank you, God. So give us an anointing and do whatever you will. And we believe it's a good work, a good day. And we're excited in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, Second, First Timothy chapter 3. Everybody got the game plan? I'm going to try to preach a few moments. It won't take too long, but then we're going to see this 28-minute video. Then we're, we're going to address heaven. We're going to appeal to heaven because uh, when you find out where that flag first was flown, you'll say, I never knew that. Like me, I didn't know that either, but it's an amazing story. First, uh, First Timothy chapter 3 and verse 15. It's just lay a little foundation. Speaking about the church of the living God. Now, there's probably churches around the, the churches of the dead God, but this, he's talking to the church of the living God. And he said, the living God is the pillar and the ground of the truth. Now, you know what a pillar is. The word is stiff, stiffened. I didn't say stiff-necked. Not stiff-necked, you know, and you know, proud. I'm talking about stiffen. That means in regard to certain truths, you will not bend. You may bend, you won't break. You're not going to come off of what you know is a truth, something that's settled, thus saith the Lord. You won't back off of it. The ground of the truth. And the church is to make it known. That's the church's responsibility. It's not the government. It's the church. Now, why should we do that? We'll look in chapter 4, verse 1. Here's a good reason. Now, the Spirit... It says expressly that in the latter times some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. So that's why they have to stand up for truth, speaking lies and hypocrisy. Then in verse 3, forbidding to marry. Boy, that's interesting. And then in verse 6 through verse 11, if you instruct the people you're a good servant in Jesus, a good minister. And verse 10, for to this end we both labor and suffer reproach because we trust in the living God. Look in verse 16. Take heed to yourself and to the doctrine. Continue in them, for in doing this you will save both yourself 
and those who hear you. Pretty interesting. John 3.16, and we got to set this first because we're going into this. This gay marriage and homosexual marriage is a, where, did you know the Supreme Court will begin arguments in nine days? That's why we're doing the strategy. It's a simple thing. We're just, they were just the little Davids, but we have big stones. Prayer, fasting, it, you know, faith, and the truth. But first of all, we've got to set the, the mark. God so loves the world that he gave his only begotten son. He did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, to condemn anyone, but that the world through him might be saved. And so when, when you come to him, condemnation gets lifted. You're under condemnation until you come to him because the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. And so we proclaim that. We proclaim the gift of God. I want to share with you to speak into the heavens. Everybody with me, you support me. We're speaking into the heavens. The truth, like, you know, Elijah, I mean, you got you to do it. Ezekiel prophesied to the bones. Seven biblical facts about marriage. Simple title, but let's look at it. Then we'll go to that video. Jesus taught and established marriage himself. That's the first one. This is not my idea. It's not your idea. We probably wouldn't have, we wouldn't have come up with it. God came up with this idea of the family. It's all God and not us. Look in Matthew chapter 19. Because some people are saying, did Jesus teach on that subject? Did he? Well, if he did, guess what responsibility we have? He said, uh, we're to go into the world, baptize, disciple, teaching them all things whatsoever I've commanded you. And then he says, and he probably was looking at this day, and hey, remember, lo, David, you, whoever, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. And now look at this, Matthew 19, verse 2. He says, um, a great multitude followed him, and he healed them there. I mean, he went about healing all who were oppressed of the devil, doing good. Then the Pharisees came to test him. Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for just any reason? And he said, have you not read that he who made them, made who? Male and female, at the beginning, going back to creation, made them male and female. And said, for this reason, a mother or man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife. And the two shall become one flesh. So then they are no longer two, but one. Therefore, what God had joined together, let not man separate. Now, I know we use that in the wedding ceremony. I used it for Isaac and Emily. We use it individually. I believe that also speaks of what he's talking about in the context, dating back to Genesis, what God had joined together, that marriage is between a man and a woman, male and female. Let no Supreme Court, let no politician, let no liberal pastor or whatever put asunder. Let them not separate what God has set in motion. It is thus saith the Lord. And every judge will stand before the judge of all creation one day. Not me. You can do away with me. You won't do away with him. He's your problem. I have nothing to say but what he said. But if I don't say what he said, then I have a problem. And I'm going to be around for a long time. 
after this life. In fact, trillions and trillions of years. But anyway, and that's just the beginning. So Jesus taught on the institution of the family and marriage. Number two, same-sex homosexual marriage must be countered with the message of righteousness. Now, I'm going to tell you something here. This will blow you away. You'll see it in the video. But first of all, this is not aimed at those caught up in the lifestyle. Evil men with an, with an evil agenda and the powers of darkness are behind the captivity. So we bind the kings, the nobles, with fetters of iron, but we want the people set free because God loves the homosexual. He loves the lesbian. They can be set free. I saw our president banned any, what do they call it, anti-therapy that tries to tell people they can get out, conversion therapy for minors. Let me tell you what. Whom the sun sets free is free indeed. You can ban, you're not going to ban the gospel. The power of the blood of Jesus. Listen, it's the blood of Jesus that cancels the power of sin. Not only offering forgiveness, but freedom from sin. You can get up and go and sin no more. And um, it's just the gospel. Now listen to this. You're going to hear on the video, and I promise to get there soon. Oh, we have plenty of time. Because I want to save time for that, then I want to get to this. And I want to engage you guys. You're not going to get to go to church and just be a bystander. You, we need you in the army. You've got to be engaged in this hour. For our children, our grandchildren, and for the sake of the truth. Do you know the only time in history where men married men and women married women and it was legal? Anybody know? Don't shout it out. Just raise your hand. Do you know there was only one time in history where it was actually legal to marry men and women? Now, there's been homosexual, you know, lesbian things going on throughout time. But here, the only time it was legal, it was not Sodom and Gomorrah. It was not Babylon. It was not Rome. It was not ancient Greece. According to the Talmud, the ancient Jewish writings, the only time in history was in the days of Noah. I said what you said when I heard that. As in the days of Noah, so shall be the coming of the Son of Man. What did Noah do? He was a preacher of righteousness. He preached righteousness all those years. Not many followed. Eight, his family, and it was a new beginning, but he could not but help preach the message of righteousness. Number three, same-sex marriage is unnatural. Let me, let me show you Romans chapter one, and we're just gonna preach the word. This is what God said, not the word according to David. The word according to God. All right, Romans chapter 1, verse 16 and 17. This is a great way to begin this section. To the preachers of America, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek, for in it the righteousness of God is revealed. Now, what's the context? Look in verse 18. Here's the context. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven 
against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth and unrighteousness. They knew God, but they didn't want to acknowledge. Look in verse 21. Although they knew God, they did not glorify him, nor were thank thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. The greatest darkness that is coming upon the earth in this hour is the darkness in the heart of men and women. Their hearts became darkened, and they were just following out the darkness, the dictates of the darkness. Their father, the devil, and that's a whole different text. But professing to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible men. Verse 24, therefore God also gave them up to uncleanness in the lust of their heart to dishonor their bodies among themselves who exchanged the truth of God for the lie and they worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator. Verse 26, for this reason God gave them up to vile passions and here it is, for even their women exchanged the natural use for what is against nature. Likewise, also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, this actually is male and female. It goes back to what Jesus taught in Matthew chapter 19. Male, female, from the beginning, don't separate. This is the plan, this is the family. This is that basic foundation. He created the family, marriage, even before the church. It was the first institution, the first that he created. And he goes on and God gave them up. The natural use, it says, for what is against nature. Lust for one another. Men with many men committing what is shameful and receiving in themselves the penalty of their error which was due. And then he goes on and on. But you know what? Do you know how Jesus opened up Matthew chapter 19? It was not with homosexuality, it was with divorce. God has an issue with divorce. That's why the Bible says he hates divorce and backbiting and idolatry and unforgiveness and on and on, boasting. And he goes on and on, murder, strife, deceit, evil-mindedness, and whisperers. I hear from whisperers from time to time. Some of them are just, you just hear it in the wind. The devil, the accuser of the brethren, whispering things about people, setting themselves up as judge, and they don't even know that the destroyer is coming to their house. They don't even know. They're in bonds, and they whisper and accuse the brethren, and the destroyer knocks on their door, and you can see it in their lives. It's absolutely incredible, a day in which we live. Do you know if you don't forgive others, you will not. He will not forgive you. And we're carrying so much, but we can dump all that. Wow. You know, that part about not being ashamed. When I was thinking about this, I had a vision of an hourglass. And I saw the sands of time dropping through, whatever you call that, the portal. Yeah, it's just a little bitty area. Come on, Shirley, you don't know what that means, what it is. It's just a little. <laughs> but anyway, I saw them, and they were just about to run out. And I heard the Lord say, how many, when the sand run, the last grain falls through, how many 
will be able to stand up and say, I was not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. And it's as if I heard the Lord say, David, it's not as many as you think. It's not as many. This is one of those defining issues that God's going to take advantage of to sift and divide. He said, you're going to again know those who serve me from those who don't. You see, God has a plan in all these things. The devil may think he's in charge. He's not. Our God is in charge. Our God reigns. I, I saw some quotes by Martin Luther King. He said, in the end, we will remember not the words of our enemies, but the silence of our friends. There comes a time, he said, when silence is betrayal. I think, wasn't it Bonhoeffer that said, if you fail to speak up for a thing, you basically have supported it. Because I, I thought, Lord, I need a statement. So I wrote it down. God, give me a statement. I read about these guys. Here's what I hear. In refusing to speak up and speak out, in your silence, you've spoken loud and clear. Oh, boy. What a day to be in ministry in America. Let me tell you, you don't want to be in ministry in America unless you're called. In the next season of time, you better. Those who just went and were not sent, oh, boy. You better run quickly, my friend. You better go home. That's what Gideon. Oh, by the way, it was Joshua that did that earlier, not Gideon. But anyway, I caught myself in that. But, but it was Gideon that God said, you better eliminate. You got too many. I only want 300. And then he did, and, and we know the story there. Okay, it's unhealthy. I'm going to let the doctor in the video explain it. But did you know in 2013, 78 million people worldwide we're infected with AIDS, HIV. 39 million died as of two years ago. The, AIDS is an opportunistic infection. It destroys the immune system. And it opens the door to unbelievable diseases, cancers, and uh, what is it? Uh, malaria, bacterial diseases, uh, leukemia, uh, many, many things. Um, Tuberculosis. I'm going to let him explain. He'll do a lot better than I can. But our children, the children that are affected by these diseases because of this. Let me tell you, you we should be banning things. I mean, I thought our government banned things that were harmful to us. Not promoted them, but uh, there is a promotion because there's a different agenda. And then the, the next, same-sex marriage, homosexuality is listed among other sins as unholy. Look in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 9, and let's just look at that, and then I want to move on for a few more. Then we'll get ready for the video back there. 1 Corinthians 6 and verse 9, Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites. Isn't it amazing? He listed other sins along with that sin. And so he's not singling out that sin. We just know there's something about the attack that roots, that goes back to Genesis that is sinister and evil because if you can uproot the foundation at the base, you can cause the whole thing to crumble. And uh, so, but anyway, he goes on, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. But look in verse 11. And such were, say were, some of you, 
but you were washed and you were sanctified, you were justified. In other words, you were an idolater. You were a murderer. You, you, you were, okay, one time an adulterer. You, you can be a homosexual. You can be free. The blood of Jesus covers all sin. That's what he says in that text, all these things. And we need repentance to show us of the things in our heart that, that are set up as those logs in our eyes. And then, and then number six, same-sex marriage is under the judgment of God, and it defies or defiles entire nations. Did you know that? How do you, you guys need to know this so you'll, have, you'll know the truth. We'll look in Leviticus chapter 18. Say the book of Leviticus. Have you noticed we've been in the New Testament the whole time? The whole time Jesus addressed this subject of marriage. And um, but Leviticus chapter 18 and in verse 22, you shall not lie with a, a male as with a woman. It is an abomination. And then but look what it says. For by all these things in verse 24, the nations are defiled, for the land is defiled. Therefore I will visit the punishment of its iniquity upon it, and the land vomits out its inhabitants. I wonder if God means that or is he just maybe just writing a story. I think he means it. And then same-sex marriage is not the unforgivable, unforgivable sin. I think we tried to make that plain. It's not unforgivable. I don't know any sin. Now I know the blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. But I don't know all that that means. I'm not going to go there. But is there any other sin you could possibly think of that God can't forgive? I can't think of any. The blood of Jesus covers and cleanses the most vile behavior. But you have to come in repentance and you run to him. And it's not unforgivable. Now, I want to go ahead. It's just on time. Would you guys dim the lights and let's watch this. It's 28 minutes and then I'm going to come back up and, and lead us in some, uh, in some time. I'm Janet Porter. I was in the dark about the radical agenda to silence the truth, but after years of research and observation, there is no longer any doubt. As I wrote in The Criminalization of Christianity, if they can silence the truth, they will silence the gospel. This film is to expose the assault on our freedoms and shed some light on how we can use the freedoms we have left. We had been informed by the city attorney that if we failed to comply, that we could be subject to jail time of up to 180 days in jail and a $1,000 fine. I'm still in shock that they would come to the church building, they would go through those doors, and they would demand from me all my sermons, all my notes, arrest in the United States of America for speaking something that is in agreement with the very book that our founding fathers rested the entire founding documents upon. 
If homosexual activists get everything they want, it'll be nothing less than the criminalization of Christianity. As you watch this film, keep in mind that no matter how overwhelming the darkness may be, in the battle between darkness and light, light wins. The Bible is our lighthouse, a beacon in the darkness to keep us from crashing on the rocks. No matter what your opinion about the lighthouse may be, any sailor will tell you we ignore it at our own peril. To navigate our course on these hazardous seas, let's first look to the lighthouse, God's Word. The notion that Christians should not get involved in this type of stuff or be silent and just preach the gospel is not a biblical notion. Uh, we have made a mistake in the last 50 years of redefining the Great Commission. And if we're going to do the Great Commission, that's not just preach the gospel and get people brought to Christ. That's a good thing to do. We're told way back in Proverbs that he that wins souls is wise. But that's not the Great Commission. The Great Commission is you teach them everything I have taught you. That's what Jesus specifically said. When you look at what Jesus has taught, Jesus clearly taught in Matthew 19 about marriage. He taught that marriage was a lifelong union of one man and one woman. If you're going to fulfill the Great Commission, you have to talk about what he talked about. At the very dawn of mankind, you can read about it in Genesis 2.14, where the scripture says, For this cause a man shall leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife, and the two shall be one flesh. The man leaves his mother and father. He doesn't leave his mother and mother. He doesn't leave his father and father. He leaves his mother and father and joins to his wife and the two become one flesh. But others say we need to leave God out of it since some don't believe in God or his word. Now imagine two knights fighting and one knight says to the other, oh, before we begin, throw down your sword. Now you would say, now the other knight's not going to do that, that'd be a stupid idea. So we throw away the Bible, in other words, we give up our sword, because God's word is the sword of the spirit. We give up our sword, you've really conceded defeat. You've already said, oh, we can deal with this without God. It's not whether God's for us or against us, it's are we for him. The power comes in our ability of being for him. We take him out of this equation, we lose. You cannot say, I will be the cafeteria Christian. I will go through and pick out the, the scriptures that I think are, are applicable and I'll just apply those. Because if you deny one of them, you deny them all. Either, either, either scripture is true or it's not true. Homosexual behavior is put in the same category as bestiality. It's put in the same category as child sacrifice. If you look in Leviticus, there's a, a gay theology, believe it or not, which sort of says, you know, well, if you're going to follow Leviticus, then you shouldn't be eating shellfish. Uh, you shouldn't be mixing different types of cloth. <clears throat> well, one thing that these so-called theologians are missing is that there are several sets of types of laws that are in Leviticus. Some of them are moral. Some of them are simply to distinguish the Jews, the chosen people, from the pagans that surrounded them, and they were ceremonial laws. Jesus, when he fulfilled the law, did not abdicate the moral law. The moral law stand, stood then and it stands today. We're told in Romans 1, God goes through the progression and he says, all right, because they did not like to retain me in their thinking, they, they didn't like to think about God, they got into depraved acts, because they got into depraved acts, they got into homosexuality. And at the end of the chapter, something interesting is said. 
not only does God not approve of those who engage in homosexual acts, that verse also says he does not approve those who condone homosexual acts. Condoning homosexual acts can be explicit by saying, I support this, but it can also be implicit by saying nothing. And that's what Romans 1 also teaches us, is we cannot be silent on this issue, because if we are, then God does not approve of us either. According to the Babylonian Talmud, a book of rabbinical interpretation of the scriptures written a thousand years before Christ, there was only one other time in history where homosexual marriage was practiced. It wasn't the time of Sodom and Gomorrah. Although homosexuality was rampant, according to the Talmud, homosexual marriage was not. It wasn't Babylon, Greece, or even ancient Rome. According to the rabbinical writings, the only other time in history where homosexual unions were authorized as marriage was during the days of Noah. Matthew 24:27 says, as it was in the days of Noah, so it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. If this is true, then we are uniquely and distinctly positioned for the return of Christ like no other time in history. Marriage matters because it matters to God. It also happens to be the healthiest place for men, the safest place for women, and the very best place for children. The family is the foundation for society. It's, it really is the ground floor on which everything else depends. Our institutions, our businesses, our economy, our government, uh, our way of life all rests on a foundation of strong families. If we redefine it like we're about to do, the entire superstructure can come crashing down. Marriage is important to everyone because it is the launching pad of the next generation. Two people of the same sex cannot actually consummate a marriage. They can have sexual activity, but they cannot consummate a marriage. So by its very definition, the fact that we've changed the laws does not change the reality. I mean, every study ever known to man has said that the healthiest, safest, best environment where kids do the best in school, they're least likely to get involved in juvenile delinquency or alcoholism or drugs or be involved in criminal activity, be pregnant when they're teens, is to be raised by a mother and a father who are married, committed to each other, and to the children in marriage. Nobody asks the children what they want. They want their own mother and father. You know, there are some single moms who, because of circumstances they didn't plan on, certainly didn't want, are stuck trying to raise children on their own. But we're talking about radically redefining the institution of marriage so that children are intentionally, on purpose, by design, denied either a mother or a father. One of the things that we picked up almost immediately on this marriage thing was that it's really not about marriage. It's about forcing the acceptance of homosexuality on people. The legal right to exercise our faith as we understand it and to enjoy freedom of speech are two fundamentals to the American way of life. To make the argument that somehow a constitutional right to freedom of speech and freedom of religion should be subordinate to a right that's not even in the Constitution, namely gay rights, is, is the, the height of hubris. I personally experienced the sexual orientation regulations trumping the First Amendment. In this case, a city ordinance was held to have greater weight than the First Amendment of the Constitution. They want to silence the whole gospel. And if that's what it takes to accomplish their goal, that's exactly what they will do. I knew there were dangers. 
But I never thought anything would happen to me. When you're young, you think you're going to live forever. Then you wake up some morning and you realize that everything you do has consequences. I engaged in one of the most dangerous activities out there. Now I'm dying. I have AIDS. I watched a hundred of my friends and acquaintances die of AIDS. Been many more since then. For males ages 13 to 24, 94 to 95 percent of those HIV cases are tied to homosexual sex. If this were any other behavior in our culture, we would see a full-scale cultural, government, corporate mobilization to stop this behavior because it's killing people. What you're doing is you're taking genitals, which has the word gen, as in generate, as in create, and you're mixing it with the track where you expel waste, which is teeming with bacteria, you're committing a perversion by any definition of the word. Even though people don't like to hear it, perverse meaning to use in an abnormal, unnatural way. If you've got somebody you love and they're drunk, you don't toss them the car keys and say, here's how much I love you. If they're shooting up drugs, you don't show them how tolerant you are by buying them new needles. You try to warn them away from self-destructive behavior. Even among lesbians, the health statistics are clear. And, and you see this on the gay websites. They have gay medical websites warning of all the downsides to homosexuality. And yet the major media ignores this. If it's normal, it shouldn't be so harmful. But it is. In the year 2000, Russell graduated from college. And in the year 2004, he was dead. If it was happy and glorious, he'd still be here. We'd still have him. Prayer, God, and his commandments were kicked out of the classroom. But ushered into that void was a dark agenda that robs children of their innocence and puts their life at risk. This isn't a theory, a scare tactic, or what might happen. This is reality in states like Massachusetts that redefined marriage back in 2004. We now know that with the redefinition of marriage comes a state invitation to indoctrinate your child. If you change the public law about what marriage is, then you change what the public education system does when it talks about it. It leads to children being taught dangerous sexual practices in the guise of equality. There's a federal anti-grooming law. And the anti-grooming law, as the FBI defines it too, is one which says if you talk about sex to children, uh, if you show children sexual pictures, cartoons included, if you uh, desensitize the child about sex and so forth, and if you describe sexual intercourse or show sexual intercourse or any other, the other sodomy sort of things, that that is a crime. That is grooming the child for sexual activity. And that is exactly and precisely what is taking place in our schools nationwide. When young people rely on what they hear at school and put themselves at severe medical risk by engaging in homosexual behavior, whether it's HIV, AIDS, or cancer, or hepatitis, or STDs, or according to one uh, medical journal, premature death by 20 years, if some young person hears at school it's okay to be gay and then comes down with a fatal disease as a result, school officials should be held legally liable individually and in their official capacities, financially and maybe even criminally. Governor Jerry Brown has now given us a law that allows boys to shower with girls in the public schools. Now I'm a medical doctor, and if you're a man, you're an XY. It's in your genes. I don't care what you think or what you do to your body or what you cut off. 
you're still an XY, you're still a man. In the same way with a woman, she's an XX. That does it. There's no question medically and genetically what you are. Now you can think you're somebody else, but that doesn't mean it's so. I could think I'm the best baseball player for the New York Yankees and I dream about that, but it's not so. I believe that what we have to do in this society is we need to get on the offensive. Too long we've been on the defensive. And so we need to find those schools that are indoctrinating our kids with this message and we need to be willing to sue those school districts. It can be any of the so-called sex ed booklets that they're giving these children. They're corrupting your children. How have we come to this place in just one generation? where the Supreme Court declared that the majority of Americans who support natural marriage are motivated by hate. The homosexual movement really got going in the 1970s when the psychiatric profession was assailed by homosexual activists. These guys are pouring up on the stage and they're yelling at them and they're screaming at them and they, they buckled. The doctors just buckled. Uh, right after that, the homosexual activist movement took off. They said, well, gee, if it's not a disorder, maybe it's just like skin color, ethnicity. We're going to turn it into the next civil rights movement. Baird Rustin and my uncle, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., actually parted ways because Baird kept saying, Dr. King, we need to enjoin the issues of the homosexual community to the civil rights battle. Martin Luther King Jr. never agreed. And so for the homosexual community or the gay community to begin to say, well, it was always a part of it, absolutely it was not. The whole idea behind civil rights was to address things that are immutable and unchangeable. Look at me, I'm a black man. I went to sleep a black man, I woke up a black man. People don't change their race. All the professional organizations, from the uh, American College of Pediatrics to the American Psychiatric Association to the AMA, all these groups say sexuality is fluid. Well, if it's fluid and it's changeable, then obviously it is, it's not immutable. You can change. People do change. Well, the gay gene study that most people are familiar with was done by a guy named Dean Hamer, who's a homosexual activist who left his wife for a man. Uh, no bias there. Of course, the media didn't report that he was a homosexual activist. Anyways, he publishes the study in the midst of the don't ask, don't tell, gays in the military debate. Uh, the me media ballyhooed the study all around. He got millions of dollars worth of free publicity, and the study was never replicated. Uh, and no gay gene study has been replicated. There's not a shred of evidence supporting the born gay theory. And yet, I think most Americans today believe that homosexuals are born that way. Things are not always as they appear. People can walk away from homosexuality. How do I know? Because I have met them. Thousands who have seen the light. Meet the people you've been told do not exist. I would scream at the television, that's a lie, I was born this way, that's not true. But deep down I'm going, oh God, is it true? I don't have to be like this? This isn't really who you meant me to be? And I would slam my fist into a wall and the Holy Spirit would speak to me and he would say, once a month, I am going to remind you what I created you to be. 18 years of my life was lost to a lifestyle that I know now is uh, an abomination unto God. I denied, I rejected God of heaven. The one whose very air I breathe, I rejected him. Much of what happened to me as far as overcoming the temptation of homosexuality is when I forgave my father. I came to this point and said, yes, Lord, I forgive him. I forgive my father for all that he did to me. And when I did that, I noticed, it was, it was days later, that I didn't have that overwhelming lust 
for perverted flesh. I wasn't looking for same sex, you know, it just started to melt away. It was that unforgiveness that was the bait of Satan. It was his hook that he had in me. And when I forgave my father, the hook was gone. I, I wouldn't say there was a day when I just said, oh, I'm free of this desire. I would say it was a, a gradual process. It was stronger, leading on to less stronger, leading on to none. You know, I was 30 before we started having kids. And, and I realized I could have continued to live for myself and missed all of this. If even one person has gotten out of that lifestyle, that proves that it's possible. And of course, there have been thousands of people who have. The one who said, let there be light, is still alive, still powerful, still God. What would change if we lived our lives like we actually believe that? Because God didn't say he was so angry at the world that he sent his only son, no. Jesus came to our rescue because God so loved us. And if you would ask Jesus in your heart, wherever you are this very moment, I can assure you based on the authority of the Word of God that Jesus will step out of heaven, come into your heart, wash away all your sin, and give you brand new life. He loves you that much. Anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord in sincerity will be saved. The problem with the so-called gay Christian movement is it's missing the key element of repentance, turning away from your sin. Um, gay Christians, so-called, want to have an identity based in homosexuality and an identity based in Christ. In the real world of Christianity, Christ helps us overcome sin. We can love people who engage in homosexuality. I do. We all have family members, you know, that we think are making major mistakes with their lives but you can still love them. When the government mandates public endorsement of sin, it's not just the bakers and photographers who suffer, it's anyone who ever ran for public office and anyone who ever will. So they say in San Antonio, oh, if you believe that homosexual marriage is a bad deal, we're not even gonna let you run for office here. We're not gonna let you have your right of conscience. We're not gonna let you believe things other than what we tell you to believe. And the city council shall be authorized to take action as provided by law to remove the offending person from office. Arrest in the United States of America, in the state of Texas, for speaking something that is in agreement with the very book that our founding fathers rested the entire founding documents upon. I'm one of the five so-called Houston Five that have been subpoenaed by the, the mayor of the city that we will have to turn in our uh, sermons and presentation, communication, text messages and everything. Well, the mayor has supposedly dropped the subpoenas. She, she, they've withdrawn them on the five of us. They're now going after the plaintiffs, who two of which are pastors that were part of our leadership team. And in fact, part of what they're asking those pastors for are, guess what, their sermons. In the book of Revelation, uh, there is a, the story of the two witnesses who testified during the time of the Antichrist. The Bible says that they, that they lay in the streets of the city for three days, the city that is mystically called Sodom and Egypt. And I believe that Sodom and Egypt represent homosexuality and Islam. And isn't that exactly what we're seeing as the challenge to Christianity in the world today? The challenge to Western civilization is homosexuality from within, Islam from without, attempting to crush Christian culture between the two.
We were thinking he's coming so soon. We don't care about the culture. We don't care about education and government. That's just all going to go bad anyway. So let him have it. He didn't come as soon as we thought he was coming. We are literally in critical condition. And what we think is our medicine is oftentimes conservatism. Well, you know what? That's a counterfeit. Because you can be conservative and be totally apart from God. I want to be on God's side, because God's side is the right side of history. I was standing in the gallery of the Illinois House when ABC Nightline put now President Eleanor Smeal in front of the cameras and said, Miss Smeal, you said you had the votes. What happened? And she replied, there is something very powerful against us, and I certainly don't mean people. I'd never heard the story. It got buried in our history. And it's a flag that was used during the revolution. It really was our flag before the Stars and Stripes. This is the banner we were born under. This is what flew over all of it. This is our hope we're appealing to heaven. What must the remnant do? Appeal to heaven. What gives me hope, and the reason I stay in this work, is because I believe God can. I don't, I'm not going to mourn the death of, of this nation until God pronounces its death. Look, the, the most important thing is don't get discouraged. This is a long-term battle. The pro-same-sex marriage side lost 36 votes in a row in every state they tried in. They didn't back down. They didn't crawl away and say, well, I'm done. They just stayed in the battle, and we need to do that. If you are unwilling to penetrate the world of politics, you are giving it over and yielding it to the devil. Don't do that. You'll be held responsible for that. Like a tank in Tiananmen Square, the homosexual agenda has been running over people since Anita Bryant's courageous stand in the 1970s. Phil Robertson of Duck Dynasty stood. The difference was, America stood with him. And the A&E network that fired Phil for his biblical stand backed down. Even Facebook and Twitter backed down. But people of faith and freedom stood together. If we are to keep our freedoms, we must have the courage to stand. Even if we stand alone. Let's not forget, when, when we look at this issue of courage, if you look in, in Revelation, the first people that God threw into the lake of fire were cowards. It wasn't rapists, it wasn't thieves, it wasn't murderers, it was cowards. Political correctness, as people may not recall, is a term that was born in the Soviet Union, where thousands if not millions of people died because they tried to quash religion and because they tried to quash political assent by sending people to gulags. Don't let this happen in America. God's not going to turn it around by himself. He doesn't just sweep in and change a nation. He uses people. And those people have to show courage and they have to show backbone. Sometimes Christians lose because they don't even show up to fight the battle. I don't saying we ought to be mean about it, but we've got to be clear about it. And I hope we will be. It's later than you think, but God is bigger than we know. To put freedom on the offensive, we must become a team. It's time for action. It's time to pierce the darkness and shine. We look at the American Revolution, we look at the freedom from Great Britain that we had, and we look at throwing off the tyranny and say, oh, that's a cool story, all those patriots back then. 
No, they weren't all patriots back then. As a matter of fact, you will find that only about 25% of Americans supported the American Revolution. You'll find that only about 7 to 8% actually participated in the American Revolution. The guys who fought and won were a tiny minority, but they changed the whole direction of the nation. They brought them all to their position because they wouldn't quit fighting. They wouldn't back up. They wouldn't stand for tyranny. You don't have to have 51% to win something. Just look at American history. It's never been that. Some people believe that there could have been 50 to 100,000 people in Sodom and Gomorrah. So that's saying that only 10 people out of 50 to 100,000, that would say in most American cities, if we could find 1,000 or 2,000 Christians in a major city, it's enough, to, enough salt to preserve and spare a city. We have way more that than that in the United States. I'm gonna go stand before him and say, Lord, the reason I'm muddy and bloody and battered and bruised is because I stayed in the fight. I fought till the end. We can transform this culture in one generation. This film is just the beginning because our founders paid a high price for freedom and it's up to us to keep it. So order a freedom kit packed with information and resources to help you act on what you've learned. Use your Freedom Kit and this film to host a Freedom Party in your home and church to teach and activate others. Turn your Freedom Party into a weekly or monthly meeting to intercede for our nation and strategize for action. Use our freedoms while we still can, especially the most important. Tell others how we can turn from sin and trust in Jesus. He's everything he claims to be. We must put our faith to action, because if they can silence the truth, they will silence the gospel. And to remain the land of the free, we must again become the home of the brave. So stand up and shine your light for Jesus. Don't bow down to anyone but battle of darkness and light, light wins. When we turn the lights on, the darkness scattered. And uh, that's what we're called to do. Before I, I share some things with you, hey, I want to, come on up for a moment, uh, J, Joshua. We're to call him Joshua, not JT, remember? And uh, just play something. I want to just give maybe someone watching by the web stream or maybe someone in here. Because all of us, I mean, many people have somebody in their family that's been touched by this. And, and it is not impossible. God is a loving God, and he can break the power of canceled sin. The blood of Jesus is enough. And uh, so if you've been struggling with any of these sins that we mentioned today, adultery, homosexuality, you know, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, did you know that if you even look upon a woman 
you've lusted you've already committed that sin and uh, you don't have to carry it out but if you lust in your heart and that likewise the woman with the man and uh, so let's just bow our heads for a moment just father we ask for the conviction of the holy spirit and lord we just cry out right now for anyone in this room anyone watching by the web stream we thank you for forgiveness that if we confess our sin you are faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse from all unrighteousness we thank you lord the blood of jesus is the most powerful truly the most powerful cleansing stream and lord we just pray right now for your mercy and grace you just in your own heart say god forgive me god i confess this sin and i turn from this sin give me power to turn fill me with the holy spirit Lord, this day I'm going to begin again, but I'm hanging on to you. And Lord, if you did it for others, you'll do it for me. And I cling to Jesus, and I receive him by faith. And Lord, we pray for family members that are bound up in this. Lord, we're not going to give up on them. We love them, and you love them. And Lord, we know they've just been lied to. And we ask you, God, that you would give them a love for the truth that they might be saved. And that, God, you would penetrate the darkness and turn them, Lord. We don't know how long it took for this stronghold to develop, but we ask you to begin to turn their attention away from this which has kept them captive, turn them toward heaven. And we ask God for the gospel, the power of the gospel, to be made known to them again. And we pray that they would be free in the name of Jesus. Lord, all across our nation, we pray, God, for a great revival among those who were caught up in this lifestyle. Just like the gospel, the scriptures declare, those who were adulterers, they were murderers, they were idolaters. And we thank you, God, that you changed the course of man's heart. You, you rid the heart of darkness with the glory, the light of God. And we ask you to do that, Lord, all across our nation. One more time, Lord. Let a great ground swell. Let a great awakening erupt, Lord. And God, we're one congregation now. We're not going to give up on America either. Just like these leaders, we thank you for them, for their boldness to stand, because we know the threats that are real today when you stand for truth, even in our nation. Well, Lord, we look at these, these two enemies, and Lord, we know you love the people, but we know the darkness behind it is going to come down in the name of Jesus. The power of Islam and the power behind this homosexual movement, we thank you, Lord, are two little gods that are going to fall to the only Lord God when it's all said and done. And so, Lord, we give ourselves to be among that people that will run with you in this hour. We'll ride on the white horse and we'll be the most loving people this earth has ever known but we will stand for truth because you said the truth shall set them free and lord we ask you forgive us for our silence forgive us of our lord where we've moved where there's been no love lord forgive us of our condemnation and our judgment lord how can we take a plank or a speck out of someone's eye unless god the plank is removed from our own eye 
And so, Lord, we ask you, remove the planks. We remove them. We lay them at the altar. But now help us. You didn't tell us not to go help them after that. You said, go help them. Go into the world. And so, Lord, we purpose to do that, to help our brothers, to help people that are bound up in sin. But the only answer is Jesus. The only answer is the Son of the living God. How many of you would say amen? Are you ready to go to battle? All right. Hey, pick up this underneath uh, your chair. Let's see if you can find one. And uh, we've got nine days before the Supreme Court begins arguments on redefining marriage in America. You know, we could just let it go and let it happen. It might happen anyway. But I don't have, I, my, I think I brought my Bible. It's okay, but it's Ezekiel, I believe, 34, where the Lord comes and marks the foreheads of all of those who cry and sigh. They cry out for all the abominations that are being committed in the land. That's okay, Shirley. That, I think I quoted it pretty good. They are marked. wonder what this has to do. Maybe it's a mark before the mark of the beast. I don't know. But they, they get marked, all of those who forget everything and just live their own life. No, they cry out to God for all the sins that are being committed in the land. I want that mark. How many of you? I want that mark on me, on my family. That's a, that's a righteous mark. There are two marks. You'll either get marked with that one or you'll probably get the other one to come later. And you won't even have a choice on that one. It, somehow it'll be deceptive. But anyway, over the next nine days, and then the decision is to be handed down in June of this year. So we don't just pray nine days and forget about it, but we want a, a strategy and then keep praying. There'll be other things. We've got some other ways to pray that are, we're putting together. But let's begin tomorrow and pray for Justice Antonin Scalia. Yes. So, Celia. Yeah, forgive me. I don't have my glasses on, but I knew that was his name. <laughs> yeah, sure you did. No, I did. Of course I did. I wonder if you asked how many Americans knew they could name three of the Supreme Court justices. How many could? Ginsburg, Kennedy, yes, and all the other guys. Roberts. I can name some of them, a few of them. But then Kennedy... Thomas and Ginsburg, Breyer, Alito, Sotomayor, Kagan, and Roberts over the next nine days. And then they begin their oral arguments on the 28th. So, what's that? Four hours? That's all they're going to do? So the decision will be before June. Oh, four hours of oral arguments only. That's all they're going to do? There will be two judges. The, um, I sent that out. Maybe we'll send it to the congregation. We also need to be praying for the... There will be two lawyers on each side. So we need to pray for the lawyers that are presenting in favor of gay marriage. The woman who's the tip of the spear was responsible for the 2004 decision in Massachusetts, and she's been the legal mastermind of every case that's happened throughout the nation. And then there's two men that are representing for Michigan, Tennessee, Kentucky, and Ohio. Those are the states being sued. 
So we need to pray not only for the justices, we need to pray for the wisdom on the lawyers. They each get two hours, one hour apiece, and it will be done on the 28th. Then the justices will go into deliberation, and they said the, they should have an answer by towards the end of June. That's it. Thank you. Thank you, Jackie. So pray for the lawyers as well. David. When we get to that day, pray extra hard. But let's pray for them every day, and then let's also add the lawyers. But then also we have a list in the back. If you would like to fast one of the nine days leading up to this, or two or three or four or five, then you can sign up. and you can. Uh, so we want it to cover these nine days in fasting, but also praying each day, uh, really focusing on one of, the, one of the judges. Pray that the justice will honor God in our Constitution and pray the fear of God would come upon each one, each justice, and they would render righteous judgments. And um, pray for the lawyers. Pray for mercy. I never knew this was the first. This flew over America before the stars and stripes. And so it looks like God's bringing us back to the roots. And he's saying, America, if you just go on living life like you think things are going to last forever, guess what? It won't. But if you appeal to heaven and you rise up and be the people of God and be the salt and the light of the earth and you cry out for the sins happening in your land, then he's a righteous judge and we'll see our God. And so we're going to appeal to heaven. One more thing. I feel like I'm, I'm going to try to show this to every pastor in our county. I'm going to try. I'm going to invite them. And so we're going to do it. And we've got some sheets out there. We're trying to get them to all the churches. And uh, Mary has some extra ones. If you know a pastor, a little church maybe next door to your home, they may not. We, I, don't, I don't know how to get in touch with everybody. We're just trying our best. Bring, pick up one of the flyers, if you'll use it, and drop it by their house. Say, hey, you may want to be a part of this pastor's gathering here. You know, you, you might want to get to know other pastors in cu your community. I'll never forget when I was in Cuba. We asked why there was so much unity. You know what they said? Well, when you spent time in bars behind your fellow pastor, you, you learn to get along with each other. You don't worry about your different doctrinal differences, you know, other than the basic foundations of the faith, obviously. And so you just, you know, pass them out, but... Yes, they'll be at the table. And Ivan's going to be there to sign up, help sign up anybody that's going to fast. Let's cover three or four, five. We can have a, ten people on the same day. It doesn't matter if we all pick the same day, just so we get nine days covered. And so um, as we dismiss, let's just one more time appeal to heaven, okay? Anybody else? Yes. You have a word? You have a word? Come on up. Come on up, brother. You want to come to? Or you're not sure? You just raise your hand. I just wanted to take a second to speak a word of prophecy over Ray and Deb. Um, earlier, when all that was being said, I heard the Lord speaking to me real clearly that we have such an incredible opportunity to walk out 
first church Christianity and walk in forgiveness. You know, Scripture says that men look on the outward appearance, but God looks on the heart. And what I heard the Lord say, because I've had the same thing spoken over me, you know, Jesus said, he who has been forgiven much loves much. And Deb, I wanted to confirm what you said. You've got a new man. I mean, it will be more than you could imagine. And I want to bless you in Jesus' name. And thank the Lord for this opportunity. That's my thoughts as well. Thank you, Bill, so much. First New Testament Christianity, we get to walk it out. Isn't that pretty awesome? We get to love one another as he loved us. Well, first of all, I can't believe I'm doing this right now. Um, many of you don't know me. I've only been here a few times. But uh, I just want you to know that this, this homosexual issue is so important. Um, I used to be homosexual. And I was, uh, back in 2008, I was working in a Starbucks in Houston, Texas. And uh, this, this guy from down the, the, the church down the street came in and, uh, you know, I, well, first of all, I'll tell you, I had moved all around the United States from city to city. Anytime anybody got to know me, I'd move to the next city because I just, I, I hated myself so bad. I thought, how could anybody possibly like me or love me, you know? And, uh, and uh, I, was, I was just a broken mess inside. I would get up and drink alcohol in the morning because I couldn't stand myself. And uh, I wanted so bad for somebody to reach out to me. And I just want you to know that all it took was this one guy showing me that, you know, come to church with me. They're looking for it. This, the salt and the light of the world is, is that love. It, it, they just want to reach in handy. You know what? And the, the Lord's pulled me out and now I'm preaching to thousands of people around the Appalachian Mountains and people are getting saved and healed and delivered. And it's one life, you know, it's, it's one life. The, the difference of one hand reaching out, your hand, you think your hand may not be powerful enough to do it, but it's your hand that could make the difference. So I, I just want to tell you that this is so important. Don't, don't write it off. Thank you, my friend. Wow. God bless you. God bless that man. Praise the Lord. John has a word. Hey, come on up. And then we want to just appeal to heaven. Come on over here, John, if you got a word. Man, thank God for this dog, huh? <laughs> here, let me hold the mic for you. Go ahead. Okay. Um, I used to be involved with ministry to homosexuals. And I just want to say the lie in the homosexual community is once homosexual, always homosexual. And uh, just wanted you to keep that in mind if the Lord brings somebody across your path. And rejecting homosexuals drives them deeper into that sin if you're self-righteous and think you're better than them, you push them deeper into it. So as has what's said, been said here, we still need to love them as people, but just don't love what they do. Thank you. Thank you, John. God bless you. Perfect. Well, Lord, we just thank you for this day and how you put it together. And God, we just pray now for the anointing to appeal to heaven. And we do appeal to heaven. Lord, thank you for this flag that even 
our first president commissioned and flew over those ships. So God, we now, we know the only hope we have is God. And we declare that. But when our help is in God, then Lord, we thank you. The victory, when the battle is the Lord's, the victory is ours. Thank you that light wins. Thank you for forgiveness and mercy and grace and the blood of Jesus. Thank you, Lord, those who are forgiven much do love much. Make us the most lovable people and who love more and more like we've never known before, God. And we thank you, Lord, for this day, but anoint us to appeal to heaven for our nation, God. Lord, visit our judges. Give them the fear of God that they would render righteous judgments. We pray for these lawyers. Protect them, Lord, from ungodly counsel and give them wisdom beyond, Lord, that they would represent you in their counsel, God, that they would speak the counsel of heaven. Lord, do something in this critical hour in America, Lord, that would so cause your name to be exalted and the fame of Jesus to be shed abroad all over this land and all over the earth, God. Lord, one more time, let a testimony be heard among the nations that America's a good nation, a godly nation, and a nation that serves Jesus. God, do something. Light a fire. Light a fire, God. Let revival fire fall. Lord, I woke up thinking of that song yesterday. One more time, God. Let revival fire fall in America, we pray. In Jesus' strong name. And all of God's people said, Amen. God bless you. Give somebody a hug. And, and uh, I want to give Ray and Deborah a hug. Okay. But God bless you guys. Have a great day. Come back. <laughs>